0: of introducing our moderator the director of the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership Glenn Carson
1: thank you Ashley hello everyone my name is Glenn Carson I'm the director of the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership and I'll be the moderator for today's discussion our, our guests over our first get- guest Oversees the Wisconsin Bike Federation Education Program in Milwaukee with a focus on serving the Milwaukee Public Schools. He has nine years of experience working in pedestrian pedestrian and bicycle advocacy. Please welcome Michael Anderson. Our next panelist spent 19 years teaching with the Milwaukee Public School District, was an assistant principal position at Morris Middle School and is now the principal at Clement J. Zablocki Elementary School. Please welcome Mr. Gregory Coleman. Our next guest has served Journey House since 1999 in many capacities, all with a focus on strengthening families and communities. She is the Director of Community Partnerships at Journey House. Please welcome Cherise Myers. Our next panelist has been a school social worker for Milwaukee Public Schools for over nine years. She has provided services that benefit students, families, community agencies, and staff. Currently, she is the school social worker at Hopkins Lloyd Community School. Please welcome Brittany Stevenson. Our next guest is a long-standing MPS principal who leads by his actions. He believes every student is a scholar and has the ability to learn. Please welcome the principal of Browning Elementary School, Dr. Raymond Yunaka. Our final panelist has been with the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center for more than 12 years and has contributed significantly to his various roles within the organization. He is currently the assistant executive director. Please welcome James Wilburn. Welcome to you all. Um, and before we get started, I also just want to, off the script a little bit, uh, introduce a few others who are in the room with us who make a lot of this daily work possible, um, our community school coordinators who came today. So uh, first, start with Gianna from uh, Browning Elementary. Ludy's from Zablocki. Woo! Luria Bradley Tech. Emily from Grantosa. And a support for our high school uh, coordinators, our manager, Don Portis. Again, thank you all for attending today. To get things started, we want to give you a high level overview of community schools, how we support the students and staff, and how we engage the entire community. Community schools is a a school transformation model uh, that all of our schools here in Milwaukee have chosen uh, to transform their schools in a way that supports students, families, and communities. Uh, Through our model, we have a community school coordinator who supports and creates change within our schools around systems change, around partnership development, and around resources bringing into the school as well. as we get started into our conversation, I want to first uh, start with you, Principal uh, Coleman. Can you tell us what a commu- what makes a community school unique?
2: All right. Thank you for uh, that introduction, Mr. Carson. Thank you all for being here this afternoon and allowing me uh, to address the the audience. Uh, so, if you could repeat your question one more time. Mr. <laughs> Can you tell us what makes a community school unique? Yeah, so um, I think uh, what makes our community school, a community school unique are the three pillars uh, that we stand for, right? So um, we make sure that when we are uh, implementing our systems and uh, our, our curriculum, we are focusing on equity, we are focusing on cultural relevance, and we are focusing on shared leadership. And so when we put all those things together, it um, uh, surrounds the whole child. And, and we make sure that we are not uh, leaving things out. We are not just, you know, ABCs, 1, two threes. We want to make sure that they get the full um, embodiment of, of what we do as a school, um, what we do as a community. And um, we, we service them so that they have all of their needs met. I think if we can meet their needs uh, socially, emotionally um, that they are able to learn better and then thus be more productive citizens out in the the world. Thank you.
1: Um, And Mr. Coleman, you you, uh, inherited a community school, so the school was already a community school before you uh, came to Zablocki to be the principal. Um, Can you speak about a little bit of the differences or uh, what you first noticed when you came into Zablocki as a community school?
2: Yeah, so um, I I was not uh, really well-versed on what community schools were. Um, and once I got there, I got a crash course from our community school coordinator, who was awesome, Miss Ms. Ludies. Uh, she's, she said, Mr. Coleman, um, uh, come on into my office, and we're gonna talk about community schools. And so we had about a half hour uh, before I even addressed the, the staff, the students, and she talked to me about what community schools were. And I'm telling you from that first 30 minutes, when she was explaining to me um, you know how we involve families, we involve community partners in our decision-making, we are making sure that uh, we are getting children what they need, not, not everything is gonna be equal, but it's gonna be equitable. Um, and then also uh, talking about how we want to make sure that cultural relevance is part of what we do. Um, it just, it, a light bulb came on and I said to myself, I think this is how all schools need to be. Um, we need to make sure that we are servicing the whole child, and we are having a lens on the the uh, a, a shared leadership lens, an equity lens, uh, a cultural responsive lens on all of the things that we do here, whether it's from welcoming kids into the building or you know teaching math um, and and gym. So uh, I was just, it was it was. Uh, something that I had not been a part of before in a regular school. And it was like just so awesome to, to, to come in and, and learn what community schools were all about and then be able to start to implement those things. And
1: one last question. I see you have some Zablocki parents here That's supporting right. you as well. Um, can you just speak to a little bit about what, what impact have you seen uh, in the school and how community schools has
2: impacted students, families, um, and overall community as well? Yeah, i just think that parents feel a part of uh what we do at Zablocki, and that's you know kind of magnified by we have you know two of our our biggest parent supporters here today uh to come out and support you know myself and um uh, united way in this partnership so um i think what we've done is i think parents saw even from uh you know the times of covid when we were not able to be around each other we were still you know, um, offering services and offering resources and, you know, j- just trying to make sure that we kept that that community feel and that family feel at, at Zablocki, whether it was, you know, Salvation Army, one of our partners coming out and donating food boxes and uh, we had teachers there, parents there, we had lines around the corner and it just felt awesome to be able to, you know, make sure and know that our, our, our children were being serviced and that our families were being taken care of. Um, And then uh, uh, such things as uh, when I got there, we were pitching for a green schoolyard, a new green schoolyard. Uh, like I said, Miss Looney, she grabbed me and said, Ms. Cohen, we got to do this. We went down to Arts at Large. We had families that were there. We had families that presented with us. And so I just think that they really have a connection to the school that is unlike you know, a lot of schools that I've been at before. So uh, community schools really embraces not only the students, but their families, the communities that are around us to make sure that we are um, uh, sending healthy mentally and physically children out into the world.
1: Thank you. Yes, sir. All uh, well, right. And then, yes, I did want to shout out the Zablocki parents who came today to support. Um, they've been very um, engaged in our parent cafes that we've been able to host uh, for all of our community schools. So always great to see parents out supporting as well. And let's go Eagles! <laughs> all right. Uh, so moving on. Dr. Yunaka, can you tell us about the community school coordinator and the importance of this role at your school? (laughs) Can you tell us about the community school coordinator and the importance of this role at
3: your school? That's a a very, very great question to ask because they say, test and see that the Lord is good. I don't know if you heard that phrase before, test and see that the Lord is good. If you have not tested something, you will not know how that thing tastes. So I have tested community school. I have tested what Gianna brought to uh, Browning School. We had had two community school coordinators in the past, but none has come close to what Gianna has brought to Browning School. And when I say that, I say that with all impunity because um, from the first day she walked in we did interview her the first uh, the first two we didn't have interviews we interviewed about three people and uh, after her interview i told them i said this is what we're looking for and that's why i say you have to taste something before you know what it tastes like so gianna has brought a lot of things to brown in school stemming from making sure that there's shared leadership and that shared leadership moves into bringing our families, our parents, and students together to become part of that shared leadership. Not only does she or does she bring the parents and the uh, scholars into what we are doing, she works with Browning School and Silver Spring Neighborhood Center. And she, for the first time, brought the two communities together to do things in common. Those uh, you know elderly people and uh, people who are older than our children, who are kindergarten through uh, fifth grade. So coming together as a group was phenomenal. And secondly, our youth. What uh, I say, youth? No, our children. Gianna made sure that we have a youth council. And when I talk about youth council, they are fourth and fifth graders and they tell us what is going wrong in school and what we need to do to make it right so when you talk about community 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 is a group of people that come together that have a common characteristics or a common goal so the children being part of it makes it it makes a difference they tell us we look into it we come back to the table we say this might not work this might work and then we pick those that will work. And if you enter into Browning, most of the things that are in school, the children have asked for it, and we've worked around it and found out that it works. Gianna has brought in parents who sit in the SIP meetings, School Improvement Plan meetings, and these parents tell us what should and should not be in our agenda. And uh, being part of that, those parents have become a very big part of Browning Community School. Thank you. Um, And then you talked a lot about
1: uh, Gianna and her role. Can you talk a little bit about how the community school coordinator role has been embedded into the overall school community and other staff members as far as teachers, school support staff and things, and how she interacts with them as well? This is what we
3: call um, every week On Tuesdays, nine o'clock, I meet with Gianna. And it's a meeting that you cannot miss. (laughs) And I don't care where I am, she's gonna hunt me down. (laughs) And that meeting must be held. And Gianna has, uh, when you talk about agenda, I uh, printed something here and I tell you, I have copied what Gianna has done. And as a, a president of my community, I have utilized this agenda and that's what I've been using and when I talk about agenda agenda that talks about what you discussed last period and put it in a different uh, column and then what you're going to discuss for that day and agenda I believe is the stem of whatever meeting that you're having and it arranges and aligns what the discussion will be for our, um, our staff Uh, You you all know how teaching staff are, (laughs) how they are. Uh, If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. If we don't like it, we throw it to the side. But Gianna's ability to talk to uh, staff members and convince them that this is what we need to do if we call ourselves teachers that are working with parents and scholars. We need to get together to get these things going. And most of my staff members are part of our leadership uh, team meeting. Uh, We have uh, SLT, um, CSLT CSLT meetings that uh, all of them are involved. And our brother here is there. Mr. James Wilborn is a part of that meeting. So she makes, makes sure that she pulls up people from the community. The box, uh, Peter, she uh, invited Peter one time to the uh, meeting. Um, a lot of community members come to those meetings. And Gianna copies things that she knows that will benefit us at Browning. That's why we copied from, uh, what was that school? They have walking school box. And Lincoln Avenue. Lincoln Avenue. Yep. And when people see you walking students, we just make sure that our, our scholars can come to school. And that's why I am pushing for if you're living around my community, why are you going to school in Zabwaki when you, are, you can just walk to my school? That's what I feel community school is. And Gianna has made sure that we go to houses, knocking, and say, hey, we're here to pick up our children to school. Thank you. Um, and then
1: next, moving on. So, Brittany, as a school social worker at an MPS school, how does your work cross over with the community school coordinator's role? And then why is that coordinator role so important?
4: Okay, so um, I have been at Hopkins Lake Community School for nine years. I was there prior to it becoming a community school and after, and that's where I feel like I can see the difference the community school coordinator role has made Um, one of the big notices has been um, having ongoing support versus just like a one-time donation or a one-time volunteer so an example of this is you might have an agency show up for a a resource fair or come for a parent teacher conference night or open house Um, we were able to have Uh, project return have a staff at our building weekly to be visible and available for families so it turned into more of an ongoing outreach through our school another um, big notice was having more intentional supports so a lot of times we have donations or supports we'll take you know those but they're not maybe so organized and the community school coordinator has been able to look at what we already have and where are some gaps in those um services and also what are our needs and really work to fill that and um, an example would be we had Uh, a lot of basic need support, but not as much academic support at Hopkins Lake Community School. So, we also had a need for increasing family and school connection. And so our community school coordinator, Glenn, was able to put together um, homework diners, which was an opportunity for um, parents and teachers to sit down side by side after school and work on academics with the students while sharing a meal. Um, The next two I'm gonna talk about is gonna get more towards how does this directly impact me as a school social worker. So with a community school coordinator and the community school model, we have just more donations, more programming, more family events, and so I've worked very closely with community school coordinators to um, help maybe give a personal invite to families, um, distribute different donations or resources with families, and thinking about how to, how to work with the community school coordinator while still maintaining the family's confidentiality, and also trying to ensure equity, so not just putting something out at an event and only the families that can get there get it. You know, really, maybe I can do a home visit, or maybe I know a little bit more of what family might benefit from that support. The last thing is just getting to be a part of the community school leadership team. Um, That's a very unique committee. Usually in education, you're just with other educators, but the community school leadership team has parents, student, voice, um, community members, and staff. And when you get all of that um, diverse perspective together, then you have creative or comprehensive strategies that come out of that. And I think that supports me as a school social worker because often as school, we're trying to improve and we have a school improvement plan and getting outside perspectives Sometimes you, you don't think of something or you don't have the capacity to do it. Um, and that's when uh, partners have been able to step in. And another um, cool thing about it is that it's it can be a place of mutual support. So at times partners have been able to say, Uh, what their updates are. Do they have upcoming events? What are their agency's interests or goals? So um, an example would be uh, one year we were trying to really focus on attendance and the community school partner was able to say, well what are you doing for parents? And we didn't have a ton of capacity for that, we were mostly focusing on what are we doing for students. And so they were able to provide some gift cards and really help us hype up and um, acknowledge our parents that are doing the work because really we need them to do the work if our attendance is going to be um, improving. So overall i would say that the community school model and the community school coordinator position has been invaluable to me as a school social worker and um, to my school community
1: thank you um and then you and i have worked together on uh, youth uh, engagement at hopkins as well and youth councils as well um can you speak a little bit about how that um, Those youth council groups have kind of helped support Hopkins or how that has improved uh, student engagement at Hopkins as well.
4: Yeah, so one of the pillars of shared leadership has been like a big driving force for us to get a youth council going. So we've been able to get a youth council going with our fourth and fifth grade students. Um, that has been really cool to see Um, you I think sometimes people think youth council for middle school or high school but it's been really cool to see uh, fourth and fifth grade um, be able to articulate their ideas and get plans together Um, I think that one of the way that um, the community school model has kind of asks is that it's really student led, so a lot of times I think you want to go, Oh, our student council can do that, like, oh, they're leaders, they can do that. But to really think about what do the students want to do and have them be the drivers of that um, group. So, just an uh, example last year, the students really wanted to work on bullying and anti bullying campaign and messaging in the school, um, and they read like uh, bullying children's books to younger grades and held discussions in the classroom. And this year we had a lot of basketball players on our youth council, and they really wanted a mascot for the school. So um, we have Lloyd the Eagle now, and um, it's been very exciting. Uh, Lloyd, for Hopkins, Lloyd. It was, um, yeah. They uh, they got um, they like went to every classroom, got all the names, put them in a big um, survey, surveyed the whole school, and they uh, selected that one themselves one of the top three from the school Um, but yeah so it's been really enjoyable to work with the youth council and to see what they what they're interested in what they're capable of
1: thank you Um, and one of our key elements in community schools uh, are the various partners that we engage with Uh, we have two partners with us today journey house and silver spring neighborhood center Uh, let's start with you Sharice. Let's talk about how your partnership with Longfellow Elementary and why this is an important priority for Journey House.
5: Thank you, Glenn. Um, Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Cherise, and I have been with Journey House for 22 years. And in that time, we have been partners with Longfellow Elementary. Um, To understand our partnership, Um, is to understand Journey House and our community. Um, It was nice when Community Schools came along because it put in writing and contract form what Journey House and Longfellow has been doing since I have been there, and that's been working together for the betterment of the community, not just the school, not just the kids, not just the parents, but the entire community working together to help one another out. Journey House is able to provide four core areas that kind of support Longfellow Elementary School. We do adult education, so we have basic skills. We have GED class that are both in English and in Spanish. We are one of the few agencies that offers six different levels of English classes and a citizenship program. This is huge for Longfellow Elementary School and the community that we're in. We are able to reach out to parents and parents are able to drop off their children and walk over to Journey House. So to understand our location, we are physically in the same building. We built onto Longfellow Elementary. We are our own separate nonprofit agency, and Longfellow Elementary is their own separate building, and a door literally connects us. Um, and we're able to fluently go from one space to the other. We also have a workforce program. Um, That's just more than helping the parents with applications or resumes. It's a six to nine week program where we are helping them put livable wages in their homes. And that's from healthcare to manufacturing and construction to banking. In the warmer months, we have sports management and turf management that we're able to not just offer the parents, but a lot of our middle schoolers are able to take advantage of those jobs and skill training as well. And then we have our whole youth athletics and leadership. So not only are we a community school, we also have a community learning school. So after school, many of the kids in Longfellow come over to Journey House for after school programming. service that the school is not able to provide Um, we're able to help with their sports teams so they have a volleyball team they have a basketball team they have um, soccer new this year we will be introducing lacrosse to the kids Um, as well as our other leadership um, opportunities like dance classes, we have a theater program, Um, we have art education, and all of these are offered to the students of Longfellow to help them expand their learning and also we work with the school and their sit plan to make sure that we're in alignment with the academic help and support that we give after school. So that it's not just some random academics that they're doing, that what they did in class is what they see in the after school program. And that partnership and relationship becomes vital because what happens in school follows them after school. So they are quite surprised When we know when they've had great days or when they have not had such a good day, and we can help and support the school in that way and kind of reinforce that, not just with the kids, but in working and talking with the parents. And then finally, we have family engagement activities where we're able to help and support with some of the things the school's always not able to pull up. Um, We hold a Halloween um, dance, a Halloween event. Um, The middle schoolers kind of said, hey, you do this Halloween event, but what about us? We want to dance. And the school wasn't trying to have a dance, but Journey House was able to have a dance and a haunted house for the middle school group. And it was listening to what those kids wanted to hear. We also heard from the middle schoolers that they didn't understand why school was important and why they needed to go on, whether it was trade, military or higher education. So I was able to work with the school and with the school I mean our community school coordinator that we have, and bring in Howard University. Um, they were on a spring break and they were traveling to Milwaukee, Wisconsin and we were able to put faces that looked like a lot of the faces that are in our school and they were able to see these kids that are going to college, that they were coming from the same background that they were and that they could do it. And a lot of the kids walked away with a little bit more confidence in, I can do this as well. So the partnership is critical and vital and the most important thing, not to Journey House, but to Longfellow and the community as well. I don't think we would be able to survive if we didn't have one another. And that's in any community. It's about collaboration, it's about partnership, partnership, partnership. The more we can partner together, the more we can provide opportunities for our kids and our families to be functional humans in our society today. And that's why we kind of vital that we our important, our relationship with Longfellow is so critical to us.
1: Thank you, mm-hmm. Um And you've been there for a while. Um, <laughs> What is that relationship uh, with you as a partner and the school principal? You talked a little bit about aligning the daytime uh, academics to things that they're learning in after school. What does that relationship with uh, the principal look like?
5: So we are very close. So um, with me being there so long, we were fortunate to have a principal who has been there for a very long time. Um, she was actually one of the teachers at Longfellow Elementary before becoming um, the principal so our relationship is nonstop. as far as it is kind of cool that she can walk over to Journey House and talk to me about things um, reach out um, they had some attendance issues she wanted to know was there something you know um, incentives or something that journey house could do to provide um, incentives to the kids and we were able to have a pizza party for those that had you know attendance um, we've had some behavior issues and being able to work with some of our um, partners in healthcare and bring some um, mental health um, to the kids, as well as one of the things Journey House, um, we exercise um, sky breathing. And the school now incorporates that, um, their mindfulness five minutes every day um, into the school. So the relationship with the principal is, it goes beyond me. It's not just myself, it's our CEO, it's our entire staff. Um, as well as we reach out to the teachers and have relationships with them. So that communication and the relationship and the give and take between the principal and our community organization has been one that has helped us become successful in a lot of the things that we do. Thank
1: you. Mm -hmm. Um, And moving on, James, uh, being one of the newer uh, partners on this table, at least to the partnership, not to the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what Silver Spring Neighborhood Center and your partnership with Browning Elementary looks like?
6: Thanks, Glenn. Let me start off by saying, Charisse is a tough act to follow. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just throw my script aside, right? Uh, very good, so, uh So, in terms of Silver Spring Neighborhood Center and, and the Browning School, Uh, that partnership was in place prior to us being designated as a community school. Very similar to Journey House, we share a building with Browning School. So when when you enter our atrium, you will see Browning School to the right and Silver Spring Neighborhood Center to the left. And thanks to the leadership of Dr. Yunaka, we've always practiced shared leadership. And with that shared leadership, Silver Spring Neighborhood Center is uniquely positioned to provide additional supports to the families of Browning. We also have adult education opportunities. We have emergency food services. We have an awesome child development center to get them ready to enter into Browning on grade level. We have teen programming for the older siblings of the Browning participants and we also have a jobs training program to help support uh, the families in that manner. So we were kind of operating as a community school prior, right, and since we've uh, been designated as a community school, I agree totally with Dr. Yunaka. Gianna is a godsend. She's highly organized. She makes sure to incorporate the efforts and thoughts of all the potential stakeholders. So we have parents who are now highly engaged in matters of Browning SSNC. We have our youth voice, which leads to more youth choice, which creates the buy-in that we need from our young scholars for them to learn. We have the supports for the families that are experiencing you know a array of barriers and difficulties in the support of their own children. Mm. So it really does take a village. And and in my seven, eight years of being able to work alongside Dr. Yunaka, that's what we've been highly focused on. And it's nice to see the uh,
1: fruit of some of our efforts. Thank you. Um, Can you speak a little bit about um, how Silver Spring Neighborhood supports Browning uh, in the outside of school space?
6: Okay, so Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, we serve as the lead agency for all after-school activities. In our case, we call it a Browning Safe Place. There, we provide the academic support to help enhance the, the skills of the students in terms of literacy, math, and experiential learning activities. One of our biggest wins, we took a void space that should have been a greenhouse, and we created it into a thriving greenhouse. What we were able to do, being separate of Browning, we leveraged the the network and the skills of a partner agency to come and do work inside of the Browning School. Four years later, we have a thriving Garden Club activities to where our, our students are participating from seed to plate, is what we like to call it. They're planting, they're, they're, they're uh, pruning, they're tasting, they're experiencing what healthy food can be, and they take that message home to their families. Um, a lot may not know this, but we are smack dab in the middle of a food desert. We finally brought a, a century grocery store to our area. It has yet to open, okay, uh, but at least it's there. The sign is there. Uh, <laughs> And, and that's been in partnership with other entities to where we leverage each other's resources. So collaboration is really uh, the key for our success. And and in our collaboration is very similar to a marriage. Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, I'm talking to the right crowd. So part of marriage, right, is that you have to have a, a common vision, right? You have to decide on what it is you want, and then you move collectively Collectively towards that, and and in doing so, there will be bumps, there will be barriers, right? But that's all a sign of progress. You know, growing is not a pain-free experience. It's just not. So being being mindful of our overall goals, and we are working in collaboration, right? We state our 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 end line, and we just we we uh, decide upon measurable steps. And and so, Silver Spring Neighborhood Center and the Browning School, we're married. And sometimes it's agree to disagree, and other times it's, hey, here are some flowers. But we are able to get the job done because we understand that it's not about us as individuals. It's not. Together we can do so much more and when you decide to do more, you can do more. So it was like an understanding of who we are and what we represent. And now the proof is in the pudding. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so some of the great things that have come from community schools are unique activities. Uh, some great examples are homework diners that some have talked about tonight, parent uh, cafes you heard me speak about earlier, and of course, the walking school bus. Uh, Michael, your group was uh, instrumental in introducing the walking school bus uh, to some of our schools. Tell us about tell us what this is and why it's
7: important. Thank you, Glenn, and thank you everybody on the panel with me. Uh, the bike I work for the Wisconsin Bike Fed. We've been serving Milwaukee public schools for over 18 years now. We're one of the oldest Safe Routes to Schools programs in the country since the federal government first started awarding transportation alternative programs funding. Um, and with that, we had two main curriculums that we offer. Through that, we over 1,000 students have biker walk education in the district. We're really proud. Like, I'm going to walk this back to walking the school bus, square. Um <laughs> We have, um, with our partnership in the physical education department, near universal pedestrian safety education happening as of last fall. Super awesome. ESSER funding is going to have the largest installation of traffic gardens in the entire country, if not the world, as of September of this year. So we're developing a curriculum where every playground has safe access to a place to walk, bike, kind of safety skills. Now, we're coming as a blocky. We're doing our bicycle driver's ed and our walk and wisdom program. We also do community walks with them. At uh, Browning, we have a walking school bus that Gianna really has herself led. Um, There's only so many resources to, um, you know, time that that we have with an enormous district. So working in community schools, over 18 years, we've had a lot of uh, students go through our programs, but community schools are the lens through which these other aspects of Safe Routes, practition programming really find a home where there's that shared leadership, where there's that equity, where those these aspects of community safety that are unique to every single school spot. And the big systems change thing here we have is transportation. We can take a moment to pause and reflect on how you got to school as a child. It's likely changed. We can take a moment to reflect on how a student five years ago got to school. It has likely changed. One of the strange things in our work in our city that has particularly changed uh, is post pandemic, we have more parents than ever driving their children to school. We still have over $72 million going to busing, which historically is one of our only policy um, pieces to address the gross inequities built into the landscape and our education system. It's very complex. The walking school bus. It's it's grassroots. It's humble. And we need new mechanisms to support the people like Miss Stacy over here at, at Zablaki that have historically done this work, like Gianna, like Ludice. It's just Picking a route and walking kids to school. It's super simple. But to ask teachers to take that on, to ask a parent coordinator to take that on, um, we don't have a norm- normative nine to five schedule. That's not where parents are coming to us in terms of childcare education. Um, so we need new mechanisms to pay parents to take some of that budget and rework what a community school, neighborhood schools work. Like and um, community schools and the folks on this panel have been really receptive and a great kind of ground for experimenting there. And in the next few years, really supporting around enrollment, around attendance, and around community safety, mental health. Uh, so that's where we're coming at with in school bus here at the Bike Fed. Thank you, Michael. Um and
1: I've been able to work with the Bike Fed uh as a community school coordinator. They've worked in almost all of our K5 schools, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I've also taken a, a bike ride with the students down to the lake and back to Hopkins when I was a coordinator uh one summer. Um but before we uh move on, I wanna uh first just let you all know that we will have questions from the audience shortly. Um so if you have a question, we'll have a QA in a few moments, so start thinking of your questions now. Um, And I have one last question for all of our panelists. Um, I want to open this question up to everyone. Community schools has three guiding practices, shared leadership, equity, and cultural relevance. Can you choose one of these practices and talk about its importance to you and to students? If
7: any of you can answer. I'll I'll jump in real quick uh cultural relevance in the summertime one of the distinguished pieces of our programs are the three bike camps we run out of the clcs and um students um from a social work perspective that may not be successful in, in a certain setting all of a sudden you've got this hands-on experience with the real world implications and you've got them out there that's when, when it comes together
3: i'll jump in and i will
5: Well, thank you. Um, Hands down for me, it would be shared leadership. And the reason why I say that is because nothing else, the equity, the cultural relevancy, none of that could occur if you didn't have partners, collaborators, working together in shared leadership to make it happen so in my opinion it would definitely be working together with your partners with the school with the community with the staff um, and working together to take that leadership role because most people by nature we're going to follow by leadership and if you have that strong leadership and that shared leadership that people are witnessing and seeing on a day-to-day basis, everything else will fall into play.
3: Thank you. All right, I'll jump in here. Um, both equity, cultural relevance, and uh, shared leadership are important. However, with shared leadership, everything comes in place. When you talk about shared leadership, Think about yourself coming in as a parent in front of people who you call educators. Sometimes it's frightening, it's scary. I don't know what to say in front of these people. But when you give listening ears to parents and call them together and say, remove this doctor, remove this educator, let's see ourselves as community members coming together for a common goal and talk about things that concern our children who are greater tomorrow. And when we start talking about it, I give them uh, 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 examples because I come from a a community where uh, Sister Grace sees you walking and says, are you okay? And they'll walk you to school and go back and tell your mom or your grandma and say, I just walked little Raymond to school. And grandma will say, thank you. And in that manner, they begin to have the sense of belonging and say it's okay to come around and talk about things that concern our children. We are people are not judging you and looking at you as you're not educated, you don't know what we are talking about, because everybody's opinion matters. And that's why we are picking up our children as youth councils that make them understand that whatever you bring to us is important and we value it, and we'll make it happen. When they begin to see those things that they request come to pass, that's how they become happy and they share it with their parents. Their parents are happy and they want to be involved.
4: Thank you. Anyone else? I I would echo shared leadership. Um, I, I think that generally, uh, community agencies, parents, and staff usually work in silos and have their own um, goals. And I think that the, the shared leadership allows everyone to get on one page together. And I think that it also allows for um, just more efficiency. So an example is uh, we have a partner that is very, very passionate about lead Um, Education in Milwaukee, and so um, they came and they um, were at one of our open houses, and they um, gave like a lead presentation and gave everyone who was there a lead um, a water pitcher and uh, for their home. So I think getting on the same page and um, sharing what your goals or interests are, we can be more efficient and we can do more than we maybe would traditionally working in silos.
1: I still have my water filter
6: <laughs> I'm gonna choose equity. And, and before I start, right, I think all three of these guiding practices are related. But in order to have equity, and my loose definition of equity is everyone gets what they need compared to everyone getting the same, right? And shared leadership allows for everyone to get what they need, because not one entity can do it alone. The the work is too great. So when we partner and we collaborate, that's bringing the best from other entities that fit under our overall goal in order to enhance the lives of these students. And, And by incorporating that shared leadership principle, we get cultural relevance. Because I am a black man and nothing I do or change, nothing I can do or say is gonna change that fact. So I'm gonna be who I am. And by creating spaces for other people to participate for us to reach this overall goal, we will always end with cultural relevance for the families we serve, because we're engaging them in shared leadership activities. Um, In terms of resources, I take a little from you, which I have, I'll take some from you and the rest of you, so that if one needs something specific, maybe one of our partners will have that, that necessary resource. So all three are definitely connected, and when we have the ability to be equitable, our children will 100% be able to thrive.
2: Thank you. So I agree with equity as being, Uh, one of the pillars that stands out to me and the reason why I say that is because um, we have such passionate educators and and passionate uh, uh, families and and community members at our school and we want to make sure that that everyone like uh, uh, my friend mr. James said that um, they get everything that they need right and so we service uh, a third of our students are English as second language students at our school and it is so important for us and our educators and our teachers and our families to make sure that they have what they need we do everything that we can to make sure that um they are having that so whether it's uh, at conference times we order interpreters for the nine languages that we speak at our school um when we send out uh, um blast from our from our messenger we make sure that we are translating them the emails into the languages of our of our families Uh, our ESL teachers, she's like our uh, equity police, she makes sure that um, talking points, Mr. Colman, we gotta put that on talking points. Absolutely we do. Um, And and all of the resources that our uh, community school coordinator and our parent coordinator are are getting out to our families is so that every child comes to to school and um, is on somewhat of a, a, a level playing field and they have every advantage to become the uh, um, productive and and happy students and and, and citizens that they can be. So equity, to me, um, stands out just because of the population that we have at our school and the the families that we service. And um, again, we don't leave anyone out, and so when it comes to shared leadership, Everyone's Everyone has a seat at the table. We encourage our families to be part of our school committees as well as our uh, community school leadership team uh, so that we can share in the successes that we have for all of our children. So equity uh, with a little bit of that shared leadership is, is, is awesome, yes.
1: Thank you all. Uh, so now let's spend some time answering your questions. I have Diamond right here in the audience uh, to assist. So she has a mic. Uh, to answer some audience questions. Hi, thank
6: you. Um, The community is important, the school is important, but there's also the school administration, central administration. So I'm
1: wondering what does central administration do well to make community schools thrive? And the flip side,
6: are there things that central administration does that slows you
3: down? I can answer that. That's a great question, sir, uh, because it starts from the top. But most times I look at things from the bottom top. And when we started being community school, that was a problem. Why are we disconnected from the central? Because I wasn't seeing the connection until three years ago or two, when the uh, uh, district began to include what community schools are doing. Now they added community school component in the school improvement plan. That is huge. With that, it is blossoming because our parents now come in to discuss those things that we do in school and it goes back to the district if we are going to continue or if they're going to remove it. So the district is very, very intentional about what we do as a community school. And that's why community school is expanding. A lot of schools are coming in. Uh, It started with a few schools. And now we are more than uh, about 16. 16. And uh, we are looking to embrace more because the district have seen the importance of community school.
0: Senator Lena Taylor, and uh, the first thing I'd like to say, as someone uh, who has been a supporter of community schools early on, um, one of the things I'd hoped for was to see more of what I heard from one of the speakers, which is the workforce piece being incorporated in the community school model. Uh, Not just for our young people, because part of what I think we do wrong in our city is that we do something for the young people, but we forget they go home to a family. And so one of the uh, pieces that, um, as an original worker on the community school effort, and um, even trying to talk with United Way early on in this, there there seemed to be not a will, a a willingness, to incorporate that workforce piece. And um, in particular, I believe one of the partners should be employ Milwaukee so that you are not trying to figure it out for parents, but that you can make it already a part of everything that happens. Can you speak to the role that workforce, and let me back up and say empowerment, employment and entrepreneurship, because I don't just want a job for parents. I want businesses, because that's where wealth Building is at. So can you please tell me where that plays a role, and if you agree or disagree with the concept that empowerment in employment and entrepreneurship should be a part of what community schools do.
7: Thank you, Senator Taylor. Um, Yes, there's so many people here whose work directly is relevant to that. Um, But to bring it home to this, to your point, sir, about what we need from an administration, we need to have hard conversations about transportation. And we need to think about resilient systems like walking school bus, where we can pay parents, where we can pay school staff members directly, um, investing in in models that address community safety. Like it's the moment in time to have, we have the tools here um, and we need to use them to see what effects we have, because I've had conversations with all of you about real community safety issues at our schools. um, And we have, potential solutions through methods as you're suggesting
5: so our partnership with longfellow as journey house that is one of our four core areas at journey house is our workforce program so we are able to seamlessly integrate that with longfellow school whom we work with so Not only are we working with the parents, but we're also working with the youth. And Journey House does work with Employee Milwaukee, and we will have youth working with us this summer. So in our after-school program, we actually have a job training class for our youth um, where we're we're working on soft skills because we're seeing a lot of our youth not able to communicate um, they're so used to texting and I often say that you know don't talk to me like you're texting me you know we need to communicate and talk so we go through a lot of those skills and not only are we going with, through them with our middle schoolers Journey House also serves high school so we kind of serve from birth to Twilight um, so we're also able to hit on many of the kids the elementary kids their older siblings, a lot of the kids from Longfellow, their siblings will be working with me um, this summer. And um, I'll place them throughout our agency and then our adults as well. So that is something that's important to Journey House and that's where that shared leadership comes into play because it's echoed in Longfellow, the principal, supports it. She often reaches out that there are certain parents that are looking for employment. And we go back to is not just about helping you with the job application, but we want to be able to give you a skill so that this becomes a livable wage for you to help your family. So that is what we are trying to do, and we're continuing to do you know and incorporate in any way shape or form we can Um, we also have a construction and design academy that have started with our first graders so if you well if any of you have seen any of our social media posts we've had some posts of um, we had second and third graders learning bricks and mortar and they were spreading it on the bricks and putting it together and learning the basics of what it takes to build a foundation. Now, that was their lesson. It went, um, it increased as the kids got older, but that workforce component and the job skill training, and then also, you know, looking at, we have those middle schoolers and those high schoolers that are looking at entrepreneurship and what it takes to have a business we have um, a director of student success and leadership at journey house that works with kids and work with them on what a business plan looks like how do you present this you know we also do career coaching so we're working with those kids on what are your next steps you're in grade school yes but you got to go on to high school when you go on to high school then what now that you're a parent then what so it's really working with the entire family and helping them see kind of the bigger picture of where this goes
6: thank you excellent question and gonna be the last one you can answer, you can answer thank with you. one more thank you, thank you thank you <laughs> i was holding my peace. <laughs> excellent question and uh i think more needs to be done for the adults because Jobs, in my definition, is just over broke. We need to get beyond jobs. We need to talk about entrepreneurship. We need to talk about real family-sustaining opportunities that we help usher our families into. And one of the benefits of being partnered with Browning and Silver Spring Neighborhood Center is that that's where we are beginning to expand our conversations. And expanding our conversations, yes, that does involve important in Milwaukee, but that's still a just over broke opportunity. So now we're reaching out beyond employment Milwaukee to try to get real internship opportunities in order uh, to provide that pathway for families to really be able to sustain life, you know. So thank you, Senator Leonard. Thank you, Senator. And we need to, to yes, thank you.
7: Thank you so much everyone.
0: I would like to introduce Alex LaCour from the Emerging Leaders to give some final updates.
7: Uh, thank you Diamond. Thank you everybody for your commentary today. It was awesome. Uh, my name is Alex LaCour. I sit on the Emerging Leaders Council. Um heard from Glenn a couple weeks ago and everything that's going on is phenomenal. Um, the Day of Action, June 21st, the Emerging Leaders and, and those in our community get, get out and volunteer. We're coming to your school, sir, to paint a a mural and do some other work. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And then April 4th, we have the Philanthropic Five. So recognizing those leaders, community leaders, that have done just phenomenal work in their 20s, 30s, 40s, those applications are opening up April 4th. um, And I'd love to talk so much more. I just, this is is awesome. But thank you very much. And I hope everybody learned a little bit more about community schools and has a little bit more passion to engage on, on a certain level. So thanks, everybody.